Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. Hi, this is Dan Gilmore of Softy On, and you're listening to the new Warehouse Podcast. Today's safety tip is to consider using slotting optimization tools in the distribution center. As just one example, the use of such tools will help ensure that fast-moving SKUs are slotted in or around the chest-high golden zone for picking and replenishment, which is going to minimize the need to uh, bend down to lower levels or to reach higher levels, and should reduce uh, back fatigue and injuries over the course of a day or a shift. Of course, you should also get a nice productivity bump as well with the added safety, just an additional benefit. And remember, the ideal slotting location for a given SKU will vary over the course of its life cycle and might be affected by seasonality and can differ for the same SKU by different units of measure. Fulfillment demand continues to skyrocket and outpace available labor. To keep up, warehouse operators are turning to flexible fulfillment solutions like Six River Systems. Utilizing Six River Systems' award-winning combination of collaborative robots, artificial intelligence, and operational expertise will make your associates in wall-to-wall fulfillment workflow more efficient. No new infrastructure, no change to warehouse layout, easy to deploy and scale, easy to train and retain associates, all at half the cost of traditional automation. Want to take your fulfillment operation to the next level? level go to www.sixriver.com to learn more that's www.sixriver.com to learn more how do you create warehouse superheroes the answer is simple with visual voice scan solutions from ProSensus. With record demand and labor shortages, warehouses need more effective workers and lightning fast onboarding. Visual voice scan solutions from ProSensus enable warehouse workers to achieve superhero performance with up to 20% improved productivity and up to 99% accuracy. Hands-free barcode scanners from ProGlove paired with wearable mobile computers is just the beginning. Improved mobile interfaces with reduced keystrokes, easy-to-read screens, custom keyboards, voice-enabled interface, and more can be realized with ease on the leading WMS platforms. Sound too good to be true? Let us show you with our one-of-a-kind virtual demo. Visit ProCensus.com to get started today. Again, that's ProCensus.com to get started. The New Warehouse Podcast, hosted by Kevin Lawton, is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawn with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. And on today's episode, I am going to be joined by a, a former guest. Uh, he's back again, Dan Gilmore. He is the CMO at Softion. And Softion is helping you to make your life better in the operations world and, and warehousing world by bringing you a, a new different kind of WMS. So Dan's going to tell us a little bit about this white paper that they recently came out with, which is actually uh, pretty interesting. It's seven uncommon keys to WMS project success, which I think is is pretty interesting because it is some of the things that typically you might might overlook or, or might not be aware of entering into a project of that scale. So Dan's going to 
dive into that with us and and we're going to hear a little bit more about that and some of those key tips to success. So, Dan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Kevin, I'm just fine. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, happy to have you back on. Happy to learn more about Softion and especially this this white paper. I think is a, a really interesting topic and I, I think some of the, the tips in there I was reading is pretty Pretty spot on. But before we dive into that, if people didn't hear the previous episode or not familiar with Softion, why don't you give us just a little brief overview of what it is you guys do? Yeah, sure. Just real quick. We're a supply chain software company uh, focusing primarily on warehouse management systems and warehouse execution systems. Because those are two sides of a coin, if you will. In addition to that, you know, the ancillary modules, things like labor management, yard management, slotting optimization, what we call 3PL billing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we also have a very robust uh, distributed order management system that in- is increasingly sold together with the WMS. All right. Great. So definitely, obviously, you know, software is a, is a huge part of operations and, you know, having the right software and having the software set up in in the right way is a key to really kind of optimizing your your operation and ensuring that you're getting the most out of you know your your days and and your work so this white paper you put out you know it, it's called the seven uncommon keys to wms project success I and mean, like i mentioned you know I, I like that it's the uncommon keys instead of like you know i think typically you see these lists and it's like oh seven you know seven common tips that you need to do or like the seven tips you should always do and these are some of the things that you know typically think of so i like the uncommon approach to it so so i'm curious you know what, what kind of i guess drove you guys to to put these together and, and put this white paper out there was there like a driving factor that you saw that in the market that kind of needed this information yeah i mean you've just you know been around this business for a long time and seen uh, all kinds of uh, white papers and presentations at conferences and etc on you know on you know wms implementation or mm-hmm. wms process or whatever and uh you know, really, there's a lot of sameness to them and things that haven't changed, uh, you know, been the same kind of talking points for for decades, if you will. And a lot of those are good, uh, you know, good points. I mean, there's always a, an emphasis that, you know, you need to do more testing, you need to do more training. I, I think we generally do need to do a lot more testing and training, but I think most companies know that. So uh, yeah. we, along with our uh, partner in this uh, white paper effort, a uh, consulting company called Throughput Partners, mm-hmm. uh, thought there were some you know key factors for a successful WMS project that you know we rarely hear discussed in those same kind of formats, presentation for, for venues, for, you know, presentations, or white papers, or whatever. And uh, we just thought uh, you know we might build a, it might be fun to put together a list of things that you probably don't hear discussed a whole lot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the in the form of this report. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a great piece. Definitely. And, you know, I've been through WMS projects and things of that nature. So I, I certainly can relate to, to a lot of them. Unfortunately, some of the, the bad sides of them as well experienced, but you know, for, so it's the uncommon key. So, I mean, for you guys, when you looked at this list, you know, what, what did you kind of consider as uncommon? Like what falls into that bucket of uncommon? Sure. And, you know, again, we, we picked things that we thought we just, you know, rarely, if ever, in some cases, never have heard discussed kind of in open format or whatever. So that was mm-hmm. kind of fun just thinking through it. I mean, we got the idea and then it's like, okay, what would what would be our list of seven or 10 or whatever it happened to be? We wound up settling on seven. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go through all seven, but I'm going to go yeah. through three of them here so just to, to give everyone kind of a sense and summarize it. And I'm going to start with the may having a clear decision making framework. And you may say, well, Dan, that or, you know, sounds obvious, but it you know, of course, there's going to be during the course of a WMS project issues and problems and unexpected things happen and all that stuff. And, and uh, decisions need to be made and often fairly rapidly. And so, you know, you'd be surprised how many times 
a company doesn't is not really thought through or structured how decision making is going to get done, and it's very very important that they do that. You know how, how when the key decisions are you know, points arise, you know, how will they be made? And, and will the decision maker be an individual? Is it going to be a team? There's a lot of different things that need to be considered there. And this all needs to be documented and worked out up front, not, not, you know, ad hoc later in the project. I mean, we believe that in the end, you know, one individual has got to be designated as the final decision maker. And that person needs to be communicated, obviously, to the whole team. That role of final decision maker really should not be the top logistics or distribution executive. Yeah. Occasionally that can work, but they're not really close enough to the details of the project that they can really, you know, make those kind of decisions. And I'd also think that 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 final decision maker needs to be an operations manager because in the end they have to live with the system right. and not somebody from out, you know, outside of IT. So you know, the the, the process about, about how decisions are going to be made, the cadence of meetings mm-hmm. for decision making, all that needs to be documented up front and communicated team to the team from the get go. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's number one. I got number two. Or you got, you know, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you know, I think the, the number one there. I mean, I think what you said in there about, you know, the top operations executive or logistics executive, whatever the title may be at the company, is not being the ultimate decision maker is is I think such a, a huge thing to say, and uh, you know, I think it's it's really important because I've certainly seen it in, in my experience where people at that level because they're at that level they have a certain mindset i guess that they should be you know the the end all uh decision but you know to your point they're not involved in the system every day i mean you know someone i've experienced someone that they've never even logged in to the system that the company uses so so i mean to be making that decision is not really it shouldn't be on them and i, I think that's a great thing that you guys are, are calling it out and, and putting that out there and like you said the operations manager i mean even the people on the floor, you know, should be, should be looking at these kind of things as well. Cause they're, they're going to be using it day to day to make sure it makes sense. So, so I, I definitely love that one. So, so let's hear it. Let's yeah. hear number two. Yeah. And I just say real quick, you know, and clearly the executive would also, there's so many decisions that need to be made over the course of a six month or pick your timeframe project. And, and the senior executives, frankly, with, with a lot of other responsibilities would just be overwhelmed with, with all the different decisions. That doesn't mean yeah. somebody's not going to go talk to them about a really critical issue or whatever, and let them know. But, uh, know that I think that is uh, the, certainly the way to go. So second, I'm going to talk about WMS demos. And uh, okay. hey, I'm in the WMS business, but I, I will agree WMS demos are very fun, are rarely very fun, but they're <laughs> obviously a critical step in selecting the vendor that yeah. is going to be the right one for you. Yet it's, you know, there's very little discussion. I mean, you think about it, how many times have you seen, how do you do a, a WMS demo effectively? Mm-hmm. Rarely ever, you know, ever brought up. Yeah. And it really needs to be thought through in detail in terms of both, you know, the content of the demo and, and the process of, of how, the, you know, the demos are across, you know, multiple vendors are going to unfold. And one that really is important, to, you know, to, for me that I, I want to call out is just, the, you know, the time allocation. And of course, mm-hmm. these demos can run from three hours to two days yeah. and everything in between. But regardless, you know, usually the demo time is allocated not based on the importance or the criticality of the functionality to be looked at, but just in kind of a peanut butter spread, you know, everything given about equal weight and time. And, and the, what that winds up doing is is giving too much time to, you know, commodity functions that really aren't, uh, let's just take PO receiving. I'll just use that to, to pick on an example. Pretty much all leading WMS vendors do PO receiving in somewhat the same way. 
Uh, and that's not to say that it shouldn't be reviewed, but it, it, it shouldn't be given as much time for those and similar types of, of capabilities as things that are mission critical in terms of, you know, reaching your ROI and hitting your business objectives. Yeah. So, you know, I recommend, you know, really, you know, early on, you know, listing out the six or eight or 10 or 12, I don't know what the number is, but it's, it's somewhere in that range of, you know, items that are really key for your success and allow sufficient time for the evaluation team to really get into those areas and understand the difference between vendors and how it meets what your true needs are. Because in the end, it's those key capabilities, differentiated capabilities that are going to be where the ROI comes from and where you're going to be, how you're going to be able to meet the business objectives behind the uh, whole demo process. So, and just a couple of, uh, I could go on for a long time on this, but just a couple of other demo issues. Oftentimes the scoring systems are either poorly defined or they're defined, but then they're not really used. I can't tell you how many times, okay. uh, you know, we've, we've heard that uh, there's going to be this detailed evaluation from the team, and you know, the team while the demo is going on, half of them are doing email or or, or other work, <laughs> and then you say, "How's that scoring really going to come out?" Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing I have to say is, and this is uh, another just thing that really occurred to me, and it often happens with consultants, but just you know, there's not enough time for demo WMS vendors to show capabilities that may not have been included in the demo script, you know, usually because they're viewed as sort of out of scope or something if they weren't as defined as part of the demo. But that, you know, assumes you've identified all the WMS capabilities that may drive value for you. And that's rarely the case, even with the great consultants. So I think you should encourage some time to be allotted to the vendors to kind of go off script, if you will, to show additional functionality, not in the script that may help you in meeting your objectives. Mm. Yeah, very interesting point there. And and I, I do want to ask you a question, actually. You, you mentioned in there, you know, a demo could be from three hours to two days. So, you know, if people are shopping around for a WMS and, you know, they're looking at at demos, you know, what, what should be their expectation on what a WMS solution provider can show them as a demo so that they can understand? I mean, I mean, what should they be expecting there so that they're not kind of you know, not getting to see uh, as much as they necessarily should. We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no right answer. You know, the time factor, I, I mean, I, I've seen a few two-day demos Two, two, seen a few two-day demos. Those to me are just far in, in excess of what anybody needs. There's clearly an element of just, uh, diminishing returns. The vendor gets tired. The audience gets tired. Especially if it's done, you know, as increasingly it is now over Zoom instead of in person. That's starting to go, you know, come back a little bit. The in-person demos, but still, you know, the remote demos are, are, are you know, the, the preponderance. Yeah. So I, I think anywhere from, you know, four hours to, to a full day kind of depends. I personally would probably go more in the four to five hour type uh, of time frame. And then, and, and that's including maybe setting up a separate technical, this technical discussion. So you don't bog down the demo with the, 
integration and technology and all those kind of issues that are usually a different kind of audience or whatever. Yeah. And so from there, it's really a matter of, you know, how, how do you put the script together? How, how tight is it? How, uh, how, how, how much detail you really want to get into. But again, I think if you, if you consider this notion of, of identifying the things that are really key to you and making sure you spend adequate time there so it doesn't feel rushed as it so often does, mm-hmm. you think, oh, you know, this, uh, you know, picking the order of management and release, you know, function is so important to the CC working. Yeah. And the time to demo it just felt so tight, you know, that uh, feel like you didn't get get a chance to give it, you know, uh, the discussion it deserves. So they're all over the map, and you know, a lot of it driven by the consultants. One other tip I would just have is make sure you look at that script very closely, because sometimes consultants basically copy from one script from one project to another and don't really vet it for this new project. And you see some extraneous stuff in there that really isn't, you know, valid, you know, demo requirements, and that's something you really got to keep an eye on. Yeah, interesting. I was I was curious about that, and I, I I like the part that you said too that you don't go off kind of go off script a little bit and and try and you know push them to show you some other other functionality there. So that's a good one as well. So so you got a, a third one for us here. It sounds like yeah, sounds I got like one more. I'll go through real quick, but yeah, just to, you know, too many companies let you know you you got to avoid letting critical time slip by very early in the project. Mm. You know, when it first starts out, you know, you know it's a big project, but it's going to be six months or seven months or whatever it's going to be. Yeah even if it's four or five months, it seems like you've got a decent amount of time. But And companies will sometimes get careless and let some 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 you know milestones slip or, or just take longer to do stuff because it just doesn't feel the pressure that you do in the last few months when you know you got to go live coming, you know, fairly around the corner. Yeah. But that slippage is going to come back and, and, you know, bite you in the rear later on because for every, you know, delay, you know, somewhere in the, in the process, you have one less day to test or one less day to train or, you know, any of the things we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And and these delays, you know, accumulate and, and wind up then impacting, you know, the goal to go live activity. Right. So it, it's just so easy to let, you know, that time slip early on. You know, you, you need to really define the, you know, the cadence of the meetings. The dates are going to be very long. Get them on the schedule. Plan out, you know, the entire, you know, work stream design. Lock in people's schedules or whatever. Because, you know, again, the, 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 what seems like a luxury of time comparatively at the beginning, you know, doesn't turn out to be that way at the end. And, and you can't get it back. You know, you missed two days here on, on this activity. You know, those are two days that are, are just gone. And, and you got two choices at the end, either to delay the go-live date or to, you know, hit the go-live date. But, you know, uh, not have done, you know, as much testing, training, integration, et cetera, as you want. And, uh you know, just some other, you know, kind of examples of that, you know, getting the, you know, the WMS production and test environments, you know, set up very early, making sure they're configured and, 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 you know, ready to go so that, you know, timing is, time is not lost when the, you know, testing teams are, are available, but the environments aren't available to them to do that testing. So the, the, the basic, you know, point about all that is just that the opening weeks of the project are especially critical. You know, you can't let time bleed there. And um, another couple of tips, you know, you want to really plan and communicate any requirements for off shift or weekend work well in advance of any need for that, yeah. you know, to come because uh, that those things are not easy to schedule. And I'd recommend putting in some kind of a contingency factor, maybe two weeks, let's say, on a six month project okay. that's kind of a, you know, a buffer time just in case things slip as they inevitably do. And if you've made the schedule so tight, you don't have that contingency time, yeah. then again, you're going to run into the same dilemma about either pushing the data out or, or going live without uh, all the prep work being done that really should. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, very good uh, uh, points there and tips, definitely. You know, I certainly have experienced some long hours working on WMS projects and things of that nature. So it's very good to, to set that understanding up front and, and make sure everybody's clear on that. And I like the, the buffer you put in there, the contingency of two weeks as well. I think that's a... That's a huge one because um, you certainly don't want to don't want to rush it. And obviously, you know, if you give yourself a little little cushion, and you know, you can get done before the cushion. You know, you probably look pretty good actually. <laughs> um, but right. you know, it's definitely a good thing to to be able to do that because inevitably something something's going to go off track somewhere, and and you know, the schedule is going to get messed up at some point. So you want to be able to to be flexible on that and work around that. So so very very good tips there. The three out of out of the seven, I, I like those ones that you chose, and I, I, I'm curious though, you know, for the kind of wrap up here, and you know, it's kind of the last one. I mean. How how do you know? And I think this is probably most important. You know, how do how do you kind of gauge along the way and and know if things are going according to your plan? What's what's the best way to do that? I mean, clearly you just you know, you need to do that detailed schedule that I talked about with all the milestones and quite a bit of uh, you know detail and and then you need to you know regularly evaluate and your weekly meetings are typical mm-hmm. where you're going to constantly monitor the progress against those against those plans. So, you know, you, you need obviously to have a, a very strong project manager that's capable of doing that yeah. and really, you know, putting some, some heat on folks. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I think you got to be a little bit careful of is, uh, you know, when people report back on a particular work stream, the people working on that is 50% complete or 70% complete or, you know, whatever. Well, what does that really mean, right? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and how is that defined? So, you know, friendly, you know, challenge whether the progress on those because the, We've certainly seen times, uh, many times, the things that were said to be 80% complete wind up taking, you know, considerably longer because, you know, something wasn't quite right or whatever. So um, it's just really, I mean, it's, 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 it's typical project management. But one of the, you know, you know, factor to mention is, you know, a lot of times people are put on these, you know, projects that don't have a tremendous amount of experience in project management. So, you know, some oversight is, is, is clearly needed. But it's just really a matter of, of of just rigorous attention to the schedule and the milestones, and honest reporting about where things stand, and just being a you know I'll call it pretty hard nosed for lack of a better term uh, in terms of people getting their work done. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's one of the the biggest things is is that accountability on the project because you know we talk about the contingency and getting off track and stuff like that, and you know one person not. Not following through on what they're they're supposed to do can certainly um, derail a, a schedule for a project like that. So, so really, really uh, great points there, and I, I like the white paper. I think it's really well done, and you know, it's it definitely hits some of the things that I think are are super important. But as you mentioned, you know, not always thought about or or discussed. So it's really important to have those discussions up front and have that understanding. So, so Dan, I want to thank you so much for coming back on the show and sharing these with us. Um, really, really insightful stuff. So, so I appreciate that, but I, I'm curious, you know, what's, what's coming up next for softy on what, what are you guys doing in the, the new year here? Oh, all kinds of stuff. I'll just make a, a, a shameless plug. If I made the web, white paper sure. course is available on softion.com. Just go to the resources tab under white papers and you know, you'll find it. So happy to have you downloaded that. So, you know, we continue on, you know, our journey on uh, kind of the uh, several other things and they're tied together, kind of the, uh, uh, the smart warehouse of the future, which we think we're pretty close to delivering, uh, you know, today. And, and a lot of that involves this notion of the autonomous WMS as well, in terms of, and this is part of what we talked about in the first broadcast that the, mm-hmm. The, you know, automated release of uh, of work based on a variety of factors, uh, 
from uh, inventory and resource availability to carrier cutoff times, and having that work just uh, flow through the through the through the system in a in a poll based uh, kind of way, and 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 really taking a lot of the human decision making, you know, out of the WMS uh, process uh, because a uh, human being it adds latency to the problem, and they just can't sim- simply can't process, you know put together all of the different factors that are, are data that, uh, that's available the way that uh, an automated system can. And, and so I think you're going to see, you know, a very different warehouse management system environment emerge over the next three to five years. And mm. frankly, we've already really started on that path. Okay, great. And it'd be interesting to see how you guys uh, continue to grow and, and how we get closer to that uh, fully automated warehouse that you're talking about there. So it'd be really interesting stuff. So, so Dan, once again, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and we'll definitely post the link to the white paper as well as uh, Softion. But uh, what, what's the Softion website once again for people? It's just www.softion.com. That's S-O-F-T-E-O-N. Uh, I love the easy ones. So we're going to put that at the newwarehouse.com as well so people can easily find it. So, Dan, thank you again for your time on the show today. You've been listening to the New Warehouse Podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from the new warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for the new warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.